All right, um, tonight, I don't usually like title my messages beforehand, but the, the title of the message tonight is called Hearts Alive. All right, um, the, you can turn to, to open up to Psalm 24. This wasn't on the, on the plan to, to preach this message, but I, I think that it's what God led me to, and I'm excited about it. Um, maybe you experience, have an experience like I do, uh, kind of a, oh, Psalm 24, sorry. Psalm 24, yep. Um, Psalms is like in the very middle of your Bible. If you just open up the middle, you'll find Psalms. And then chapter 24. Uh, maybe you experience a, uh, like I do sometimes, uh, a, I don't know what to call it, like a spiritual fog, maybe. Uh, you know, like, like you walk around and you know the truth, right? You know that God loves you. You know that Jesus died for your sins. He rose from the dead. He's going to come back. Like, you know your purpose in life is to live for Him, to, to make disciples, to share His love with others, to serve others. Um, but but you, you know that, but you have trouble, like, translating that into your attitude and into your... your it's like you, you believe it when you think about it, but then you have trouble remembering. Um, it, it's like a, a blurriness, maybe, or a sleepiness of spirit, a deadness, maybe, of the spiritual senses. And maybe you feel this way often. Maybe you feel like that today. Um, maybe God seems far off to you. He just seems real distant. Um, and, and other times he's felt close. Maybe he, he's just sort of on the back burner of your life. Like you think about him, you know, when you go to church and things. But, but he's, he's just sort of more, he's not, not primary, he's just more kind of on the back burner. Uh, and, and you sort of just think about him a little bit when you feel guilty about that you don't pray or read the Bible enough, you know. Um, uh, so, so, and, and I, you know, I struggle with this. I don't know, this is what I'm saying. I, I, I struggle with this, this spiritual um, sleepiness, blurriness, uh, you know, fogginess. And, and I, tonight, so tonight, I wanted to really just speak to you, kind of personally um, and pastorally, about this this state, right? Because I, I don't think that God wants us to live in there. I think He has more for us than just to be kind of. Uh, you know, wishy-washy, to be sort of asleep spiritually um, all throughout our lives. And so that's why I titled this message, Hearts Alive. Right? I want our hearts, I hope our hearts are alive to God. My hope is that we will have hearts alive to the presence, the goodness, and the glory of God. Um, as we get to the end of the year, I've been thinking some about the, you know, we do our like year-end goals, you know, review the goals of the year and look forward to the next year. And I've been thinking about the student ministry and some of our, our core values and why we exist as a student ministry. And one of the things that I think, uh, I think Daniel has led us really well in uh, is, is passionate worship, right? Passionate worship and song. And not just Daniel, the whole band, right? All you, all you guys and girls. Um, and, and, I, and we love that, right? We are worshipers. Like, we, we love to sing. We love to worship God. And worship is not just singing, obviously, right? We know it's, it's, our, it's a whole life, a life of devotion to God. Um, and I think this is one of the core things that the student ministry exists for, right? Is to, to make disciples, right? To help, help each other be disciples who are passionate worshipers of God. Worshipers of God who seek His presence, who, who seek His face, Right? And, and I think worshipers with, with hearts alive, right? What is it like? 
we don't want to be people who just stand in church and just say the words, right? Just sing the word. Like we want our hearts to be engaged, don't we? Like we, that's, we long for those are the best times, aren't they, in worship when your heart is engaged with, with God. And so the question I want to, I want to talk about today is, is how do we have hearts alive, right? How do we, how do we, uh, how do we do that? So let's stand in honor of reading God's word. I'm hearing a lot of talking over here, seeing a lot of movement, okay? I, I will have Nancy come sit in between you. Just, just warning you. <clears throat> fair warning, fair warning. She has sharp elbows. <laughs> All right, Psalm 24, starting in verse, we'll just read the whole psalm, starting in verse 1. The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord, for he laid its foundation on the seas and established it on the rivers. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not appealed to what is false, and who has not sworn deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of His salvation. Such is the generation of those who inquire of Him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Rise up, ancient doors. Then the King of glory will come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Rise up, ancient doors. Then the King of glory will come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord of armies. He is the King of glory. You can be seated. How do we have hearts alive? Well, look at at verses 1 and 2. The earth... And everything in it, the world and its inhabitants, belong to the Lord, for He laid its foundations on the seas and established it on the rivers. Um, First is a vision of God. We have to have a true and big vision of God, right? Um, For our hearts to be alive to Him, we have to be reminded of who God is. Remember, from this verse, from verse 1, everything, right, and everyone belongs to God. He owns it. Right? We don't like to think of ourselves being owned by someone, but we are. Everyone is. Uh, everyone and everything belongs to God. Um, we belong to Him. We are His. Why? Well, because He made everything. He laid the world's foundation on the seas. He established it on the rivers. So He made, he made all of it. Right, Just like an artist owns all of his uh, work that he creates, Right? So God, we are his workmanship, we are his artistry, right? it says in Ephesians 2, and we belong to him. Right? He made us for himself. Um, and, and so sometimes I think because we, we are familiar with God and we, we talk about him a lot, um, uh, you know, we, can, we can mistakenly slip into to small views of him. Right? We can um, think less of him than we should. And it's almost, I mean, I don't blame us. Like, I don't blame you. Like, it, how are you supposed to think about God always as more than you could ever imagine, right? That's so hard. Like that, we need His help um, with that. But but we can slip into that, right? So we got to remember. We got to remind ourselves. And this is what this verse is doing. Like God made the mountains, right? And He made black holes. He made Jupiter's rings. He made the great monsters of the deep, right? You seen those deep earth, you know, documentary things. Uh, he made the core, uh, you know, the core of the earth that blasts up in lava, right, in volcanoes every so often. Uh, he made lightning. Like, this is the, the God we serve. It, he's, he's, 
Uh, he's bigger than we can imagine, right? He thought up all these things. He rules over all these things. He holds them all together. And he made you and everyone you know and everyone in this room. He's, he made us. He designed us. He's holding us together. And so he's not, he's not someone to be taken lightly, right? He's not, um, he's not small. He's not domesticated. You, you, can't, you can't just like, uh, you can't, I, I think you can't not reckon with him. You can't just ignore this God, right? He is huge. He is big. He is powerful. Um, he is mighty. And everything belongs to him. Okay, look at verse 3. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not appealed to what is false, and who has not sworn deceitfully. Um, For the the Jews, God was in a high place, right? Uh, This is how they thought of him. Moses received the Ten Commandments where? On the mountain, right? On the top of the mountain. Uh, Mount Zion is the, the place where God is, right? The city of God, Mount Zion. Um, the temple in Jerusalem was on the Temple Mount. It's on a hill, you know, in, in, called the Temple Mount. So, that, so this is where God is. So when it says, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? It's saying, who can, who can approach God? Who can be in His presence? Um, you, you know, it, it's saying, this Creator who owns everything, right? The one who made it all, who owns it all. Who can stand before him? Okay. Um, who, who can climb to where he is? And who can approach him and live? And it's a good question to ask, right? As we, as we think about worshiping God, as we think about pursuing his presence, who gets to be near him? Who gets to be near God? And the answer is clear, right? It says it really clearly. The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not appealed to what is false, who has not sworn deceitfully. So the one who has clean hands, what does that mean? Doesn't mean those who wash their hands clean it. No, right? It doesn't mean God's a germaphobe. Uh, you know the, the phrase "caught red-handed," right? It means you're, you're caught with the, you know the blood on your hands, like you did the murder. It's obvious, you know. Uh, you, you're caught with the evidence for your crime on your hands. You're clearly guilty. So someone who has with clean hands is someone who's not guilty. Someone who's innocent, right? You can't catch them doing wrong. They have nothing to fear, nothing to hide. They have clean hands. They have a pure heart. What does that mean? Well, this means, you know, somehow that, uh, no, this means someone who, who not only does, does the right thing, right, has clean hands, but someone who does it for the right reasons, right? If clean hands is external cleanliness. Clean heart, a pure heart is internal. A person who, who, is, who has the right motives always, who's loving and joyful and, and filled with peace and is patient and is kind and good and gentle and, and everything flows out of that character and that heart, an undefiled, pure heart. So one who has clean hands, a pure heart, who has not appealed to what is false. Um, some translations say who has not lifted up your soul, lifted up his soul to an idol. And that's what this means, right? Appealing, asking for help, putting your trust in what is false, in, in, in an idol, in something other than uh, the, the true and living God. So the one who can approach God is someone who doesn't do that, who always appeals to what is true, to always trust God, um, who, who fully trusts and worships God and goes to Him for help and strength and comfort and refuge. And then lastly, who is not sworn deceitfully. He's not sworn deceitfully. And this is talking about our speech, right? But it's not saying cussing. It's not talking about like swear, swearing as cuss words. Um, to swear deceitfully, it's, it's to lie, right? To get your way. To, to lie, to make yourself look better. Um, you know, this, so, so this is someone who is not sworn deceitfully, who, who tells only the truth, right? Even when it's a disadvantage to them. Even when it hurts them, they'll still tell you the truth, right? 
Uh, who doesn't mold or bend or leave out details in order to be perceived in a good light. Someone, a truth speaker, truth teller. This is who this is, this person. So this is who gets to approach God. Right? Who can approach this mighty God who made everything? Who can ascend this mountain? The one who has clean hands, a pure heart, is not appealed to what's false and not sworn deceitfully. Look at what happens to this type of person. Verse 5, he will receive blessing from the Lord. The righteousness and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who inquire of him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. So all God's favor his goodness, his justice, salvation is given as a, as a gift to be received to this type of person. Okay? These people inquire of the Lord. They speak with him. They learn of him. Um, when, when this person approaches God, they can expect good things, not bad things. They can, accept, they can expect acceptance, not rejection. Life, not death. Salvation, not condemnation. And maybe you're thinking, well, I can't approach God. Right? That's a problem. Who, who, who could? Who's actually like this? Well, verse 7. Um, Lift up your head, you gates. Rise up, ancient doors. Then the King of glory will come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. This was a song, you know, that they would use in the temple. And you just got to think this was like the choir part. You know, boo, like the choir came in on this part. Um, there, there's someone here. Right? There's the King of glory. Okay, he's the Lord, strong and mighty. He's lo- mighty in battle. The Lord of armies. Uh, the Lord of hosts, like the old translations say. Who is he? Who is this, this person, the Lord of armies? Well, he's God, of course. It says that, the Lord. Uh, but more specifically from the psalm and the rest of the scripture, I think we can say really clearly this is Jesus, right? Um, this is a messianic psalm. That many, many of the psalms are, are clearly about Jesus, and this is one of them. Um, it, in, you know, in Psalm 2, for instance, God says about the Son, I have installed my king on Zion. God is saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain, speaking of his son, uh, speaking of Jesus. Uh, Revelation, in case you don't believe me, Revelation 17, 14 says uh, that uh, about, uh, talking about the beast and the kings of the earth, right, at the end of, end of days, it says these will make war against the lamb, who's Jesus, but the lamb will conquer them because he is Lord of Lord and king of kings. Okay, so Jesus is king, right, Just as Kanye has reminded us recently. Had to get that in there. Uh, and, and so, seeing Jesus in this psalm makes all the difference. It makes all the difference for us. Because the truth is, we can't ascend to the, to the Lord. Like, if, if these are the standards for who can get near God, we fail, right? We get blasted off the mountain before we get up there, right? Um, you know, we don't meet. We don't have clean hands. We don't have pure hearts. We have trusted idols. We have sworn deceitfully, like... Um, we, we have done all these things, but Jesus never did, right? This King of glory, right? Open the gates, the King of glory can come in. Uh, Jesus never did this. He always did, did right. He always did the right thing and with good motives. He always loved God and trusted Him. He always loved others and told them the truth. Um, and He died in our place for our unclean hands and our defiled hearts and our idolatry and our lies. He forgives us. He cleans us. He invites us to be united with Him. Okay? And, and He invites everyone in here. Like, you can be forgiven, right? If you don't know Jesus, you can be brought in. You can be forgiven and, and for, of everything you've ever done. And I wonder why you would, you would not want to accept that. Why would you not want that to be true, right? Even if it, like, why would you not consider it? 
Here's what this means. Here's what it means. On your own, you can't approach God because you fail the test of verse 4. Right? Clean hands, pure heart, all that stuff. But, but with Jesus in Him, you are verse 4. Right? You have Jesus' righteousness, Christian, in here. You have clean hands and a pure heart. Right? You could, because Jesus has clean hands and a pure heart. A good relationship with God and others. On your own, you don't get the blessings of verse 5. You don't get righteousness uh, or blessing. But with Jesus in Him, you get verse 5's blessings. Right? You get blessing and righteousness from the God of your salvation. And, and then, and only then, as, as you're united with Jesus, covered by His blood, redeemed by His life, justified by His death and resurrection, only then can verse 6 truly describe you. Such is the generation of those who inquire of Him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Okay, remember, we're talking about hearts alive. How do, how do we, how do our hearts, how, do, how does God stir our hearts? Like, how do we have hearts that are alive to Him? Um, and, and my proposal is that to have hearts alive, we need to seek God's face. We need to be a generation that seeks the face of the God of Jacob. Okay, what does that mean? So the rest of the message is what does that mean and how do we do it? Okay, what does it mean and how do we do it? To seek God's face. Um, well, so in, in uh, you know, if you're a Jewish person reading this, I don't know that you could read this without thinking of uh, number six. Uh, which is the blessing that God told uh, Moses and that God told Moses and Aaron to use to bless the people of uh, of Israel? Uh, this is uh, six twenty two. The Lord spoke to Moses, "Tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you're to bless the Israelites. You should tell them, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face there's the face face to shine on you, be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you, and some translations say, turn his face towards you, right, or lift up his countenance on you." And give you peace. In this way they will pronounce my name over the Israelites and I will bless them. So God's face, his turning his face to you, it means his blessing. It means him looking straight at you in, in love. Right? This is what seeking God, so you're seeking to be with him to experience that. Him looking at you um, in, in love and, and to receive blessing from him, to get to know him better. And this is really practical, I think. Like, think of it. What if God wants to spend time with you? What if he does? Okay? Now, certainly, you need to spend time with God, right? Like, you need to spend time with God differently than he need. Like, he doesn't need to spend time with you, right? God's not like, man, I really could learn some things, you know, if just I could get some time with Andrew and ask him some questions, right? <laughs> like, obviously, like, he got it. God, uh, he doesn't need us in that way, right? We need him, certainly, but, uh, so, so we should spend time with him. You know, we need to. But what, I, I'm taking it from a different angle. What if he wants to spend time with you? Okay? Just imagine this scenario. Okay? Let's put on our imagination caps. Let's say you're a young, you're, you go into business. You go to business school. You start a business, whatever. You're a young business person. And an awesome CEO of this billion-dollar company, someone you really respect, you've always looked up to, wants to spend time with you. Right. Let's say he says, like, let's just do a 30 minute FaceTime call every morning. I'd love to just share some of my experiences and wisdom and help you as you begin your career. Would, would you go into those calls with a sense of obligation like, ugh, yeah, what is it? Right. Or, or would it be would you go in with a sense of anticipation and like, what an amazing opportunity. Like, this is awesome. 
Let's say you're another scenario. You're a young musician and an older and very famous musician and artist, you know, one of your heroes, you have all their albums, like everyone knows them, says she would like to spend some time with you. All right, I'd love to get together every week and just hear what you've got, what you've been working on. Uh, and, you know, uh, you know we, can, we can work together on, on your music. Uh, I can pass on some of the lessons I've learned along the way. Would, would those meetings, would those times be totally boring? Be like, oh, gosh, like, when can I be finished with this? I got, I got, I got some emails to answer. No, right? Like, would you be falling asleep and, like, distracted the whole time? Like, you're just on your phone. You're like... Yeah, Adele, I get it. Yeah, no, that melody's great. You know, like, okay, what? Like, no, you wouldn't, right? You'd be fully engaged. You'd be knowing the opportunity that you have to learn from and get to know one of the best musicians alive. That would be, you know, the chance of a lifetime. What, what if you were that young businessman or, or musician, business person or musician, and you met up with your mentor once or twice, but then you just never got around to doing it again. You just didn't make it a priority. You forgot about it, didn't make it a habit. That would be a tragedy, right? That would be horrible. Now, you probably see where I'm going. What if the God who established the foundation of the world wants to spend time with you? He wants to invest in you, to encourage you, to teach you, and lead you down the right path in life. He just does. <laughs> like He wants to spend time with you. Uh, the eyes of the Lord, 2 Chronicles 16, 19, the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth. Like he's looking for people to show himself strong. Like he's trying to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. Jesus in John 15 says, uh, I'm the vine, you're the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Right, he's using the branch and vine analogy to show how connected we are to him, that it's only through our connection with Jesus, his life flowing in us, that we can do anything good. Um, and this word that he says, remain in me, so, uh, I think the ESV says, abide in me, um, that word, it, it means to make your home in. It's like, he's like, make your home in me, and I'll make my home in you. Your words make your home in me, uh, and, and I in you. Uh, verse, verse uh, John fifteen seven. It keeps going. If you remain in me, if you so, if you make your home in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it'll be done for you. My Father is glorified by this that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father, listen to this from Jesus. This is Jesus' words to you today. As the Father has loved me, Jesus says this. As the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Do you believe that Jesus loves you as much as that? As much as the Father loves him. As the Father's loved me, I've also loved you. Remain in my love. Make your home there. Like, live there. That's where you need to live. (laughs) Right? In His love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I've told you these things, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Like, Jesus is saying, like, I want to be with you. Like, I want, like, live in me and I in you. Like, we are united. Um, He wants to spend time with you. James 4.8 is the promise. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. So just, just, I mean, it's amazing. He's the most intelligent and fascinating and creative and kind and generous and powerful and rich and connected person who has ever lived or will ever live, right? The God of the universe. (laughs) And He wants, He died for you to prove His love, right? And now He wants to spend time with you.
And maybe you've never thought of it like this, right? It's always just been kind of a thing you know you should do because people, your parents have always said, you need to read your Bible, you need to pray, blah, 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 you know. I mean, it's not, they're not wrong. It's something you should do. Right? I've told you that as well. And it's something you should do. But it's something you should do, um, you know, it, it's something you should do like eating your favorite meal for dinner is something you should do. Right? And I can tell you, you should eat your favorite meal because it's nutritious and it's good for you, right? But really, like, eating your favorite meal is, something, is more something that you get to do, right? Something you enjoy. Like, something that's a delight. It's wonderful. Uh, you don't have to, like, force anyone to do that. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a delight, and, and that's what this is, right? It's, it's more something you get to do. It's the invitation to a relationship you can delight in and enjoy more than anything else, right? You can enjoy it. So seeking God's face, I think that looks like spending time with Him, right? Just enjoying His presence in prayer, in the Word, right? I'm not going to get, like, there's lots of ways to do it, but spending time with Him, however that looks for you, Spending time enjoying his presence. So that's seeking his face, all right? So how do we do it? How do we do it? All right? Um, George Mueller was a, a very busy uh, pastor. We talked about George Mueller several times. We talked about it in the summer. Uh, he was the one who cared for all the orphans in the 1800s in Bristol, England. He started these orphan, orphan houses and cared for over, like when no one was caring for orphans, basically. He started these orphanages and cared for over, tw- I think, 1,200 orphans in his his, uh, like, 50 years that he ran these orphan houses. Um, and he's most, you know, he's most famous for, uh, like, never asking anyone for money. He would just pray, and then, like, money would show up for all those things he did. Incredible story. But um, so he was very, he was very busy. He was, he was a pastor of, like, two congregations, and he ran the orphanages, and he did all these other uh, ministries as well. Um, but here's what he said uh, about about um, seeking God's face. How do you, how do, you do this? Here's, what, here's how he talked about it. According to my judgment, the most important point to be attended is to is this. Above all things, so he's saying this is the most important, above all things, see to it that your souls are happy in the Lord. Other things may press upon you. The Lord's work may even have urgent claims upon your attention. But I deliberately repeat, he's very clear, it is of supreme and paramount importance that you should seek above all things to have your souls truly happy in God Himself. Day by day, seek to make this the most important business of your life. This has been my firm and settled conviction for the last five and thirty years. For the first four years after my conversion, I knew not its vast importance. But now, after much experience, I especially commend this point to the notice of my younger brethren and sisters. He's talking to you. Youth group, right? The younger brethren and sisters in Christ. The secret of all true effectual service is joy in God, having experimental acquaintance and fellowship with God Himself. That means having experimental, meaning you experience, experiencing the fellowship with God Himself, right? Isn't that interesting? He says this is the most important thing. Like, yeah, yeah, do your ministries, whatever else you're doing, but this thing, you got to make your, get, get your heart happy in God. And he said, I did that. He did this every morning. This is his first and most important business. And it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like David in, in Psalm, just right over, Psalm 27, verse 4. I've asked one thing from the Lord, and that's what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord, seeking Him in His temple. I just want to live here with you, right? I want, to, I want that to experience that fellowship. And how Mueller, so George Mueller recommends to do it practically. So, uh, like in your daily time with God, like when you wake up, whenever that is, and you open your Bible to read it, um, 
uh, he said, you should meditate on Scripture and let Scripture lead you into prayer. That was his great like practical insight. Um, uh, and, and it's great practical advice that, that I've heard pastor after pastor after pastor recommend. Um, and, and I certainly recommend as well from my experience. Um, even like uh, uh, there's a pastor named John Tyson who I listened to. And just this last Sunday uh, in a sermon, he, he said something which may be the most practically helpful thing that I'll say tonight. Um, and and he, he's saying, how do you get in God's presence? How, how do you do it? He said and along this lines, keep looking at the Bible until it burns inside you. I think that's such good advice. Keep looking at the Bible until it burns inside you. Keep reading deeply and slowly until something, a word, a verse, a phrase, an idea, something, leaps off the page like a spark and starts a fire in your soul. And when that happens, dive into that. Like, that's what you then go, man, I'm going to think about that. I'm going to pray on that. Like, this is what God's teaching me today. Right? This is the portal into the presence of God. Okay? Okay. I think sometimes we don't experience that because we give God so little time, <laughs> right? It's like if we went out to dinner, you know, and like, so say Caroline, Car- no, this is kind of weird, I won't do that. Say Daniel and I go out to dinner. <laughs> I didn't want to make a hypothetical date. So, so Daniel and I go out to dinner, and, and, uh, and I come in, and I sit down, I sit down with Daniel, and I, I don't talk to him, I don't look at him, I look at the menu for a second, and then I, you know, eat a few chips and salsa, and then I don't even talk to him, and I walk out. And I'm like, yeah, he just wasn't there. I didn't, didn't feel anything. There was no real connection, like, at all. Like, well, he didn't get, I gave it no time. Like, who, is that his fault? Like, no, right? I think, what do we expect of God? Like, that we'll open the Bible, read one verse, we're like, well, I don't feel anything. I didn't, I don't know. Like, I guess God doesn't care about me. Like, you know, what if God's like, man, I would have done it. Like, the next verse, it was what I wanted to teach you, but you didn't, Stopped at verse 1, you know? <laughs> like, we just give him so little time. So, so, keep looking at the Bible until it burns. Until it burns inside you. Until that fire starts. I think that's such good advice. That's the first thing. Right? How do we see God's face? Look at the Bible until it burns inside you. Second is confess your sins. Confess your sins. You might not expect that, but this is intimately tied to seeking God's face. Um, the context of, of a lot of the passages that, that talk explicitly about seeking God's face in Scripture are, are in confession. Like James 4.8, um, it says, draw near to God, He will draw near to you. It's in the context of confession. James 4.7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. Right? Isaiah is another example. Isaiah 6, he gets in the presence of God. He sees God on His throne. And what's the first thing out of his mouth? Woe is me, I'm ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Okay, and this is what you'll see when you get in God's presence. You will you will see your sin, right? You will see your sin immediately. Uh, it, it's what happens when you get in the presence of holiness, right? Uh, and and I think one of the reasons why we don't seek God's face, right? Why we we don't go to Him, why we don't spend the time, why we don't expect to see to be with Him, is because we don't want to. Like we don't want Him to look at us because we're ashamed. We're ashamed of what we've done. But we talked about this recently. You don't have to be ashamed, right? Jesus died for you because he loves you. He took your shame on the cross. He 
took your guilt and your punishment to the grave and he left it there and he rose in victory. And so your shame is gone. And so when you feel that, a conviction, when you feel your sin, what do we do? When you feel regret, sin, guilt, you confess that to the Lord, right? Lord, forgive me for this. I'm not what I should be. Right? I, I was totally screwed up in this area. Would you forgive me? Would you help me? Right? That's when you get in the presence of God, this is what you do, okay? And, and draw near to God. He will draw near to you. If you draw near to God in confession, He will draw near to you, right? And this is the uncomfortable part of being in God's presence, right? This is the part that's, like, scary um, but, and uncomfortable. But there's no, like, it's the only way to joy. Like, it's the only way you break through to joy. Right? If, you just, if you don't confess your sins, if you hold back from God and don't really address your real heart, you don't ever break through to joy. You just do the, you do the religious thing where you just try to be a good person and you think you're good and you try to keep God at a distance, right? Doesn't, the joy doesn't come. You've got to confess your sins. So read the Bible till it burns. Um, confess your sins. Third, sing. Sing to God, right? Um, Psalm 24 is a song, Remember? Uh, you know, and, and it would have been used. It's interesting. It would have been used in the temple, and they say on the first day of the week. So there's like certain psalms that they use like every week, and this was one of them. They use the first day of the week, which is when Jesus would have been riding into Jerusalem on the on the donkey, which is pretty cool that they would be singing this. Lift up your lift up your uh, heads, ancient doors, gates open, that the King of Glory may come in. And Jesus is riding. That was a cool detail uh, that I learned. But, but singing, right? Singing is commanded to us, right? It's, it's a command, but it's, you know, it's, it's, again, it's one of those things that's like you should do it. You ha- you, you're commanded to, but you get to, right? Singing, it's hard to force singing. Singing needs to come from a heart of joy, right? Uh, I love Colossians 3.16 is my favorite verse on this. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Again, that's that burning, right? The word burning you inside us. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Our Christians should be the happiest people. Um, use, use worship music to align your heart and your emotions with the truth. Right? The truth that you know and believe. Uh, and, and, and like... You use worship music to align your heart with reality, right? I used to, I've told this several times recently, so I'm sorry if you remember this, but I used to be like a little bit skeptical. Like I, I, have, I used to not use music at all, like in my devotion time or time with the Lord, because I felt, it felt sort of manipulative, like I'm trying to work up some emotion in my heart that's not there. Um, but, but I think that's the wrong perspective, because God is always good, like, it's always true that he loves me. Like, the, when I have felt the most close to him and, and the most, like, I have felt his love the most strongly, that was the truest to reality that I've ever been, like, responding to reality as I've, that I've ever experienced, right? Like, that's the true thing, that he loves us, that he died for us, that he rose from the dead, that he's victorious, that we have a purpose and meaning in life and a mission in life, right? We, we have this, like, awesome relationship. And so... Uh, so for me to, to, to listen to a song that just talks about that and reminds me of that and stirs my heart to go, yes, Lord, I believe it. Thank you and love you. Right? That's, just, that's, that's using music, a gift of God, to align our hearts with the truth. And we should do that. Right? We should definitely do that. Um, and so there's so much good, true, and beautiful music out there you can listen to. Ask Daniel. Uh, ask Lee. Ask, like, Ask your friends, wait, what, what songs like stir your heart for God? Like, that's a great question to ask. Um, and, and 
man, listen, you can listen to it anytime. It'd be great. It would be a great practice to put on worship music after you pray in the morning or maybe when you're taking a shower or on your way to school or, you know, when it, whatever's, you know, whenever works, like just praise and thank God. You can just sing under your breath or you can just sing in your mind, like, but sing with your voice sometimes too, right? Sing to God. Okay. So read the Bible till it burns. We're trying to see, right? I'm trying to remind, trying to see God's face. How do we do it? Read the Bible till it burns. Confess your sins. Sing to God. Fourth, memorize scripture. You knew I was going to say it. Memorize scripture. Nothing lets God's word dwell richly inside you more than memorization. Memorizing scripture. Nothing makes, like, what does it mean? Let the word of Christ, a command, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. You're like, yeah, that's not memorization. Like, <laughs> I think it's at least memorization. It's not only memorization, but it's at least that. Like, let it live in you. Let it live in you. Have a, have a rich life inside you. How's it going to do that if, if you don't put it there? If you don't write his word on your heart? You don't memorize it. Um, so I think you should memorize. And I started today a memorization challenge um, to memorize the Psalm 25, so the very next Psalm, Psalm 25, 22 verses, by our winter retreat in January. Okay, winter retreat, January 2nd. Um, so it's like, you know, a month and a half to memorize Psalm 25. Uh, it means you have to memorize one verse every two days. So, like, that's not that hard, right? Uh, you can do it. So I want you to memorize, like, join me. Like, memorize it with me. Hold me accountable. You can ask me. You should, even if you don't do it, hold me accountable. Um, ask me on, on January 2nd if I, can, if I can recite Psalm 25, if I, if I memorized it. But I hope you'll join me in doing that. Okay, so memorize the scripture. That's another way to seek God's face. Um, and, and the point of it is, then you can, you can read the Bible till it burns in your mind, right? Because you have the Bible in your mind. So you get, it, it allows you to, to be with God and to meditate on His truth um, more regularly. So, um, Jesus has opened the way to God for us, right? We can ascend the, the hill of God or the mountain of God. We can stand in His holy place because we are with the Son. We are in the Son, in Jesus. He loves us. He died for us. Uh, and and if, we, if we do that, if we, if we, if we seek His face, Right? Um, by reading and thinking about His Word until it burns in us, by, th- by confessing our sins, by worshiping with joy, and by memorizing His Word, I think we'll have hearts alive. Hearts alive to God, right? And, and nothing is going to um, transform your world and those around you like having a heart that's alive in a world where, where ev- everyone's depressed, everyone's down, everyone's discouraged, everyone's complaining, right? And if you, if you don't do that, because you have a heart that's alive to God, <laughs> a heart that's soaking up joy and love from God instead of, uh, instead of just like sucking in from everyone else, you have something to give that will mean everything, right? That will, that will transform the world. You can, we can shake off the fog that covers so many of us and we'll be awake to God and be useful in His kingdom and His work in the world. And so I, I hope we'll do that.